Good morning, America. This is Wayne Ahart speaking for the Old Glory Network podcast. Our goal, ladies and gentlemen, is to make Old Glory great again and to keep it great. Our message for today is called A Christmas Story in the year 1881. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Christmas season is upon us, and most of us are getting in the Christmas spirit. You know, Christmas is about a lot more than just getting presents and and going to parties. We're celebrating the birth of Jesus, Jesus Christ, and that's no small thing. There's a lot of ways to express the joy of Jesus' birth, but I want to tell you a story that I believe best expresses the true Christmas spirit. Why don't you get yourself a cup of hot chocolate and sit down in front of the fireplace and let me take you back in time to the year 1881. I want you to meet young Matt. Matt and his Paul, and it begins with the words of Matt. Matt said this. He said, Paul never had much compassion for the lazy or those who squandered their means and then never had quiet enough for the necessities of life. But for those who were down on their luck and genuinely in need, well, Paul's heart was as as big as all outdoors. It was from Paul that I learned that the greatest joy in life came from giving, not receiving. My, My lesson began on Christmas Eve, 1881. I was just 15 years old, and feeling like the world had just caved in on me because there had had just not been enough money to buy me the rifle that I'd wanted so bad that year for Christmas. For some reason, we did the chores early that night, and I just figured, well, Paul wanted a little extra time so we could read in the Bible tonight. So after supper was over, I took my boots off and stretched out in front of the fireplace and waited for Paul to get down the old Bible. Well, I was still feeling sorry for myself, and to be honest, I wasn't in much of a mood for reading scriptures. But Paul didn't get the Bible down. Instead, he bundled up and went back outside. I couldn't figure it out because we had already done all the chores. I I didn't worry about it long, though, because I was too busy wallowing in self-pity. I heard the door open, and Paul came back inside, and 
It was a cold, clear winter night out, and there was ice in his beard. Paul said, come on, Matt, bundle up good. It's cold out tonight. Well, I was, I was really upset then because not only was I not going to get the rifle for Christmas, now Paul was dragging me out in the cold and for no earthly reason that I could see. We'd already done all the chores and I couldn't think of anything else that needed doing, especially on a night like this. But I knew that, uh, that Paul just wasn't very patient at one dragging his feet when he had told them to do something. So I got up, put my boots back on, got my cap, coat, and mittens, and Ma gave me a mysterious smile as I opened the door to leave the warm house. I thought, something is up, but I didn't know what. Now, outside, I became even more dismayed. There in front of the house was the work team already hitched up to the big sled. Whatever we were going to do wasn't going to be a short, quick little job. I could see that. We never hitched up the big sled unless we were going to haul a big load. Now, Paul was already up on the seat with the reins in his hand, and I reluctantly climbed up beside him. The cold was biting, and I wasn't very happy. And when I sat down, Paul pulled the sled around the house and stopped right in front of the woodshed. He got off, and I followed him. I think we better put on the high sideboards, he said. Here, help me, Matt. And Matt thought, the high sideboards? It was going to be all, already be a bigger job than I wanted to do, even with the low sideboards. Whatever we were going to do would be a lot bigger with the high sideboards. And Paul went into the woodshed and came out with an armload of wood. And the wood I had spent all summer hauling down from the mountain and all fall sawing into blocks and splitting it up for firewood. And finally, I, I said something. I asked, Paul, what are you doing? Or Paul looked up at me and said, Matt, have you been by the widow Jensen's place lately? Now, the widow Jensen lived about two miles down the lane. Her husband had died about a, a year or so before and left her with three children, the oldest being just eight years old. Paul waited for my answer, and finally I said, Well, sure, I, I've been by, so what? Yeah, yeah, I've been by. I said, Why? Paul looked at me and said, Well, I rode by just today, and little Jakey was out digging around in their woodpile trying to find just a few chips. They're out of wood, Matt. That was all he said, and he turned and went back into the woodshed for another armload of wood. I followed him, and we loaded that sled so high that I began to wonder if the horses would be able to pull it. Finally, Paul said, well, that's enough, Matt. And then we went to the smokehouse, and Paul took down a big ham and a side of bacon. He handed them to me, and he said, Matt, here, put them in the sled and just wait. 
And when he returned, he was carrying a sack of flour over his right shoulder and a smaller sack of something else in his left hand. And I said, what's in the little sack, Paul? Shoes. They're out of shoes. Little Jakey just had sacks wrapped around his feet when he was out there in the woodpile this morning. And I got the little ones some candy, too. It just wouldn't be Christmas without a little candy. Well, we rode the two miles to Widow Jensen's pretty much in silence. I tried to think through what Paul's doing. You know, we didn't have much by worldly standards. Of course, we did have a big woodpile, though most of what was left now was still in the form of logs that I would have to saw into blocks and then split before we could use it. We also had meat and we had flour, so we could spare that. But I knew we didn't have any money, so why was Paul buying them shoes and candy? Really? Why was he doing any of this? Now, Widow Jensen had closer neighbors than us. It shouldn't have been our concern. Well, we came in from the blind side of the Jensen house, and we unloaded the wood as quietly as possible. And then we took the meat and the flour and the shoes to the door, and we knocked. The door slowly opened a crack, and a timid voice said, Who is it? Lucas Miles, ma'am, and my son, Matt. Could we come in for a bit? Now, Widow Jensen opened the door and let us in, and she had a worn blanket wrapped around her shoulders. The children were wrapped in another one and were sitting in front of a very small fire in the fireplace that hardly gave off any heat at all. Widow Jensen fumbled with the match and finally lit the coal oil lamp. Paul spoke up and said, We brought you a few things, ma'am. And he set the sack of flour down, and that's when I put the meat on the table. Then Paul handed her the sack that had the shoes in it. She opened it hesitatingly and took the shoes out one pair at a time. There was a pair of, for each of the children and a pair for her. Sturdy shoes, the best shoes that would last and I watched her carefully as she bit her lower lip to keep it from trembling. And then tears began filling her eyes and running down her cheeks. She looked up at Paul like she wanted to say something, but it just wouldn't come out. So Paul spoke up and said, oh, we brought you a load of wood too, ma'am. And then he turned to me and said, Matt, Go bring in enough wood in to last for a while. And let's get that fire up to size and heat this place up. Well, I wasn't the same person when I went back out to bring in the wood. I had a big old lump in my throat. And as much as I hate to admit it, there were tears in my eyes too. In my mind, I, I kept seeing those three kids 
huddled around the fireplace and their mother standing there with tears running down her cheeks with so much gratitude in her heart that she couldn't even speak. My heart swelled within me and a joy filled my soul that I'd never known before. Oh, I had given gifts, certainly at Christmas time before, but never when it had so much difference. It made so much difference. I tell you, I could see that we were literally saving this family's lives. As soon as I had the fire blazing and everyone's spirits seemed to just soar, the kids started giggling when Paul handed each one of them a piece of candy. And Widow Jensen looked on with a smile that probably hadn't crossed her face well in quite a while. She finally turned to us with tear-filled eyes and said, God bless you. I know the Lord himself has sent you. The children and I have been praying that he would send one of his children to spare us. I couldn't help myself. The, the lumping returned to my throat and the tears welled up in my eyes again. I'd never thought of Paul as one of God's children. But after Widow Jimson mentioned it, I could see that it was probably true. I was sure that a better man than my Paul had never walked the face of the earth. Well, except maybe one. Now I started remembering all of the times that he had gone out of his way for Ma and me and many others. The list seemed endless, and when I thought on it, Paul insisted that everyone try on the shoes before we left. I was amazed when they all fit. And I wondered, how in the world had he known all the sizes to get? Then it came to me that if he was on an errand from the Lord, that the Lord would surely make sure that he got the right sizes. Tears were running down Widow Jensen's face again when we stood up to leave. Paul took each of the kids in his big, strong arms and gave them a meaningful hug. They clung to him and didn't want us to go. I could see that they missed their own Paul, and I was sure glad that I still had mine. At the door, Paul turned to Widow Jensen and said, Ma'am, the missus wanted me to invite you and the children over for Christmas dinner tomorrow night. The turkey will be more than the three of us can eat. And a man can get pretty cantankerous if he has to eat turkey for too many meals. Uh, we'll be by to get you about 11 o'clock. It'll be nice to have some little ones around again as he ruffled the hair of the one standing nearest to him. Now, he said mad here. He hadn't been little for quite a while. And Matt looked up and said, well, I, I was the youngest. My two older brothers and two older sisters were all married, and now they'd all moved away. And Widow Jensen nodded yes and said, 
Thank you, Brother Miles. I don't have to say, may the Lord bless you, because I know for certain that he will. Now, back on the wagon, I felt the warmth that came from deep within, and I didn't even notice the cold. And when we had gone a mile or so, Paul turned to me and said, Matt, I want you to know something. Your ma and me have been tucking a little money away here and there all year so we could buy that rifle for you. But we didn't have quite enough. And then yesterday, a man who owed me a little money from years back came by to make things square. Your ma and me were really excited, thinking that now we could get you that rifle. And I started into town this morning to do just that. But on the way, I saw little Jakey out scratching in the woodpile with his feet wrapped in rags, and I knew what I had to do. So, son, I spent the money for shoes and a little candy for those children and Widow Jensen. I hope you understand. Well, I sure understood. I sure understood, all right, and my eyes became wet with tears again. I I understood very well, and I was so glad that Paul had done it. And just then, the rifle seemed very low on my list of priorities. Paul had given me the best Christmas ever. A lot more than a rifle. He had given me the, the look on Widow Jensen's face and the radiant smiles of her three children. I will never forget those looks as long as I live. Now, ladies and gentlemen, the author of this story is unknown. I changed a few words for better flow without changing the meaning or the facts as stated. I was led to believe that it was a true story. I can't guarantee that, but I am certain that similar events have occurred many times. I hope you enjoyed it and can find some way to help the needy, of which there are many. Merry Christmas and a blessed new year. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to finish today's podcast by playing you Kevin Ahart's recent Christmas recording called Change for the Better. He is joined towards the end by my eight-year-old grandson, Sutton and 12-year-old granddaughter, Karis, and their mother, Christy Ahart. Enjoy, and if you wish, the song can be purchased for 99 cents. Every generation says that Christmas just ain't the same The times have changed 
All the old-time stories and yuletide songs They still get played But times have changed Year after year we get lost In the fray of what we want Time after time we forget what it means to be blessed Once upon a time they say life was made of simpler days Now times have changed Holiday seasons were of hope and peace of love and grace How times have changed now we spend the days chasing after cold, shiny things. Mesmerized by the notion, all those things make you someone. When will love? Be the answer When will times change for the better? Christmas time is our chance in every year to find our way though times have changed so I hope our children will understand we've made mistakes as times have changed may they take a different road than the one that took our souls And I pray they finally see How the heart is meant to beat When will love be the answer time